1: hey this is trey thank you for joining us this week hope you had a great weekend and the next week is off to a good start I read about, uh, I think it was some snow in parts of the country this past week, and uh, yet it's plenty warm in other parts of our beautiful country. The weather is beautiful this time of year in South Carolina. Autumn is my favorite time of year. It's so beautiful, I don't even want to let my mind go where it wants to go. Uh, The cool mornings mean winter is coming, but I don't really want to think about that. And the Leaves turning brilliant colors means they are, in fact, soon to be dead and then fallen and then swept up or left to become part of something else. The trees themselves will renew and replace those leaves with other ones, but not before a period of bareness and emptiness. And the leaves themselves, they went from strong and vibrant and green and beautiful to weakening and then gone the days are shorter which means darkness is getting longer it's a mirage of sorts i guess all the beauty hides what is coming and like i said i probably should just enjoy the crisp mornings and the cloudless skies and the beautiful colors and not you know think too far in the future but if i were to think too far in the future i guess i would conclude that most beautiful things do in fact have a shelf life they don't last. And just to fool us the most, sometimes things are at their most beautiful right before they begin the decline, the descent. I do wonder uh, if America will follow that path. We hear the phrase threat to democracy a lot, whether it's states trying to change voting laws or progressive prosecutors deciding to. Deciding to ignore certain laws. It's the new go to phrase or comment by those either holding or seeking office. Such and such is a threat to democracy. And of course, the media, uh, the media loves that phrase. The media on the left uh, label certain Republicans as threats to democracy. Conservative media personalities and politicians also do the same thing to the other side. They label Democrats as threats to democracy. It's not enough anymore, I don't guess, to say someone is wrong or mistaken or their ideas are poor. It's not enough to say we disagree with someone. Now, those with whom we disagree must be globalist or racist or socialist or threats to democracy. I, I don't know when we begin or began to reward you know, that kind of mindless hyperbole, uh, but it happened at some point. It's no small accusation to allege someone is a threat to democracy, to the very existence of your country, a threat to your way of life. I mean, think about it. That's about as serious an allegation as you can level. Recent polling, I guess I saw it about a week ago. I'm not big into polls. I mean, they're a good snapshot, but I'm I'm not really that big into them. But this one was kind of hard to ignore. Recent polling. Indicates Americans have been thinking a lot about threats to democracy and they have their own thoughts. The thing to remember, I think, about polls is this. It doesn't mean people are right just because they very much believe something, but it does tell you where they are. And if you think they are not right or not correct, it shows you how far you must move or persuade them to get them where you think right or correct would be so where are your fellow citizens on the on the on the issue of threats to democracy 71% 71% believe democracy is under attack that real threats exist to our form of government and our way of life and that's not jarring enough of those surveyed who happen to be over the age of 65 80% nearly 80% Eight out of 10 believe democracy is under assault. So the question then becomes, under assault by whom? Under threat by whom? Who are these threats to our very way of life? And if you look at the poll, yes, you'll see among the answers, the usual cast of suspects. Former President Trump, current President Biden, Congress, the Supreme Court, the way we vote, the Electoral College, they're all cited by some as a threat to democracy. Interestingly enough, democracy itself has control over every one of those perceived threats. I mean, after all, we elect presidents, we elect members of Congress, we elect state legislators who control voting laws. We could if we wanted to amend the Electoral College, we elect the senators who then, in turn, elect the Supreme Court justices. So those threats cited, whether you believe them to be real threats or not, are squarely within our control. And I'll have to let other people decide whether democracy can, in fact, be a threat to democracy. I don't think my head's big enough to figure that one out. Can democracy itself be a threat to democracy? I think it's wiser to say democracy can be a threat to freedom, but democracy is the people deciding. And if the people decide to limit their future ability to decide, is that democracy in action? Is that a threat to democracy? Or does it show the weakness of democracy in general? And while we were warned, we were warned, that experiments in self-governance only work with a moral and educated people. Regardless of where you land on the question of whether democracy can be a threat to itself, or more aptly, to me, a threat to freedom, to focus here I think is to miss the main point of the poll. Only one threat to democracy was cited by over half of the respondents in this poll. Only one. It wasn't Donald Trump or Joe Biden or early voting or voter ID. No, nope. only one. Only one thing it was cited by more than 50% of the respondents as a major threat to democracy. What are you thinking it is right now? If you don't know the answer, what do you think it is? Bigger than any of the names you read about in the papers or hear about on television. We we hear And read a lot of alleged threats to democracy. But what's number one in the minds of people? And if you're thinking it's the media, well, then you're right. It's the ones constantly telling us about threats that are themselves perceived as the greatest threat. Like a doctor treating a patient, even though he's the one who made her sick like a lawyer representing a client, even though the lawyer committed the crime. The media sets itself up, holds itself up, tells us they're a watchdog, a referee, the moral center, all the news is fit to print. Democracy dies in darkness. While all along, apparently democracy dies at the hands of your reporters and your editors and your opinion writers. 59% of the respondents in this poll cited the media as a major threat to democracy. Six out of 10. 25% cited the media as a minor threat. So you add that together, and 84% of the respondents in this poll, which, by the the way, was a New York Times poll. So it's hardly some right-wing nutjob poll. 84% believe the media is either a major or minor threat to our very existence. You know, we pick presidents, but we don't pick the 30-year-old sociology or anthropology majors who write about the president. We pick senators, but not the people who couldn't get into law school and opted for journalism. We are constantly bombarded by media telling us who the real threats to democracy are, while all along it was really them. And this is where we should be torn a little bit because we need a media that's bold and independent and fair. And we don't have to like them, but we have to be able to trust them. And it's hard to trust a biased entity that 80% of us think is some threat to our very existence.
0: I'm Trey Gowdy, and we'll have more coming up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: The media, ironically enough, not only selects what news to give us, but they also frame the news according to their own desired political narrative. And go look at different websites. You will see completely different stories. Conservative media talk about some issues while ignoring others. Liberal media talk about some issues while they ignore others. And I remember even years and years ago the so called u s attorney scandal, where God forbid a new president asked the u s attorneys who were appointed by the old president to make plans to leave. It happens every four years you know <laughs> President Obama gets to nominate u s attorneys, and then when when his term is up, President Trump nominates. U.S. attorneys, and then when President Trump is defeated, President Biden nominates U.S. attorneys. It happens every four years, unless a president is reelected and decides to keep them for eight. But it happens. It happens every time it can happen. But that did not keep MSNBC from finding that story irresistible. And so I remember sitting in the floor back when I used to watch the news. And MSNBC ran it night after night after night. They they wanted you to think that this was a big story, even though it happens every four years. And I'm sure the same thing. I'm sure there are examples of conservative media doing the exact same thing. So it's not just how the news is covered. It's what is covered. What is considered news? Uh, Not to digress, but I have a book coming out in January about how to make the best decisions in life. Uh, To me, life is a lot of things, um, but part of life, a big part of life, uh, is about the decisions we make, where to live, with whom to associate or become friends, who to marry, who to have relationships with, what to do for a living. Uh, Life is about making decisions, making the best decisions. So I wanted to write a book uh, for you about how to make the best decisions. And one of the decisions I had to make in life uh, was whether to leave a job that I loved in the courtroom. And once you decide to leave something, you also almost always have to decide it's time to start something. Unless you just flat out retire. If you leave a job, you got to go find another one. Um, If you leave a house, you got to go find another one. So, for me, it was Congress. And then you start thinking about whether to leave that job, too. It did not take me long to realize that while I may have been correct to decide to leave the courtroom, I was not correct to decide to run for Congress. So that's a a good decision followed by a not so good decision followed by the decision to get out of all of it. So I write about the decision to leave a pretty safe seat in Congress, uh, undefeated and unindicted, uh, which is an unusual combination in that line of work, just to walk away. And in that chapter, I cite the reasons, what I got right about serving in Congress and what I got wrong. And one of the more common questions I get at the grocery store or just when I'm out and about, is how in the world did you work with so-and-so? You'd be surprised how often I get that question. Sometimes it's seemingly on every aisle of the grocery store. How could you stand being around fill-in-the-blank? How could you possibly sit next to fill-in-the-blank? And I tell them all the same. Everyone asks me that question. I tell them all the same thing. The way Republicans and Democrats in D.C. interacted did not surprise me at all. I didn't have super high expectations, and I was not surprised. I didn't think that there'd be a ton of fairness in the way that Republicans and Democrats treated one another. So my expectations for fairness weren't that high. What I did expect and what did surprise me was just how biased the D.C. media was. That was the biggest headwind. Uh, The eight years I was there, and I think most members of Congress who served when I did would tell you the exact same thing. It was the media much, much more so than the supposed opposition or the adversaries who made that job so miserable. Uh, Yes, there were exceptions. I've had a few of them on this podcast and on the TV show, but the majority of the reporters I dealt with were not fair. They were not equal opportunity questioners. They were biased, and they had an agenda. So then I like to ask, why? Why is it? Why do people do what they do? Why do we allow them to do that? And why do they do what they do? And I guess the only thing I could come up with is just reporters are not content being reporters. They want to be participants. They're not electable themselves. So they sit in the bleachers and try to impact the outcome of the game. No, democracy cannot control the media. Democracy cannot control the very thing most cite to us as a threat to democracy. We don't vote on stories or reporters. We don't throw reporters out of office for being biased. I mean, that's kind of where I was, that this spiral, this cycle, this spiraling cycle of We've identified the greatest threat to democracy, but seemingly we're powerless to do anything about it because democracy doesn't control the media, or does it? If 84% of us really believe the media is either a major or minor threat to democracy, are we really powerless to do anything to remedy that threat? We need a referee. We need a media that speaks truth to power. We need a group that isn't constantly trying to curry favor. That's not what we have, but it is what we need. So at the risk of offending the jury, at the risk of offending you, what we should really ask ourselves is whether fairness and neutrality is really what we want. I mean, do we want friends to tell us when we're wrong or do we want a cheering section who support us no matter what? Sometimes in life, the market is there and we have no choice but to buy what is being offered. Sometimes in life, we get to set the market. We get to change the market. We get to set the demand and then hope the supply follows. So do we really want fair down the line news or do we want the news that we want to hear? yes, the media is biased. Yes, the media is an active participant in politics. Yes, the media tries to do far more than simply tell you what is happening. They are trying to influence what is happening. Yes, to all of that. But what about us? Would we reward a commentator who is an equal opportunity offender? Would we lift up and support a paper that reported even on things we don't like? If there's no demand for fairness, will there ever be a supply of it? The real threat to democracy is a lack of appetite for truth. It's all of what people cited because that's what they believe and that's what they perceive. So it's all of that. You have to deal with the reality that that is what people believe. That is what they think. All of the things that were cited as threats to democracy. Yes, it's all of that. But if you were to ask me, the greatest threat to democracy is our lack of appetite or insistence on the truth. It is sometimes a refusal to concede there is a truth. It's relativism that anything goes so long as I get my desired end. I'm not, on the one hand, the least bit surprised that the media was cited as the number one threat to democracy. I lived it. I witnessed it. The way they conduct their business is about as different from a dispassionate search for truth as you can get. Okay, great. We know that. We are armed with that truth. Now what? What will we do about it? How will we respond to this either real, in my judgment, or perceived threat. How will democracy react when democracy is threatened? The word democracy comes to us from the Greeks. It's really just people power, the power of the people. It's a way of governing that depends upon the power of the people. It only works if the people are moral and educated. So if we want to repel a threat to people power, The people must arm themselves with virtue and knowledge. So, no, government should never control the media. We know that. Our forefathers knew that. But government is not democracy. We are. Democracy is people power. It may manifest itself in certain forms of government, but at its core, democracy is the power of the people. And we are well within our rights to control any threat we reasonably perceive to our well-being so perhaps we simply start by creating a demand for the truth a demand for accuracy a demand for fairness and let that demand be so strong that someone responds with a supply because if the media is the number one threat to democracy our demand must create a better more noble form of media in other words We must let our power change the media before the media obliterates the people's power. I'll see you next week.